0: This is the Collaboration Dynamics Podcast, helping you work together better with Judy Reese, X ray listener, best selling author, international virtual collaboration trainer, and master of metaphor. Hear more at x raylistening.com. Hello, and welcome to the Collaboration Dynamics Podcast. With me today is Lizette Sutherland. Now, Lisette, would you introduce yourself and what you do in relation to collaboration, please?
1: Sure. And it's uh, great to be here. Thank you so much. I'm usually the one on the other end, so it's really fun for me to actually be the one being interviewed. Um, So like you said, my name is Lisette Sutherland, and I'm running a company called Collaboration Superpowers. And what we do is we try to inspire remote teams to do great things by telling stories and giving workshops about the best practices and the tips um, on what remote teams are doing these days. So um, I can give you a little bit of background about how that started and how I went down this rabbit hole, because I think it's a, a somewhat interesting story. Please do. And that is is eleven, about 11, 12 years ago, I was helping to build an online project management tool, and it was a very interesting tool. I was extremely enthusiastic about it. The whole team was, but it was really the reason why the tool was being built that was so interesting, and that was because the CEO of the company didn't want to die, very literally, and what he subversively – so to the public, he was – creating this tool so that people could have an online project management tool globally across distributed teams. But subversively, he was doing it because he wanted longevity scientists to be able to collaborate and solve the problem of aging. He thought that this was a problem that could be solved. And if he could just get the right people together, that we could solve this issue. And I was so struck by the idea. It was like this aha moment for me, like, oh, my God, if we could get the right people working together together, regardless of location think of the things we could do you know we could solve aging we could solve global warming we could all these cool things that teams could do and I just I could never look back for some reason that that idea struck me and inspired me and uh, here I am today (laughs) talking to people about remote work and and just being completely obsessed with the idea Mm, it, it is quite
0: amazing what could happen isn't it
1: yeah the potential I just find so exciting
0: I'm also very curious, is is that uh, CEO still with us?
1: Yeah, he's <laughs> still alive, yes, <laughs> still alive and well, yeah. Sadly, the uh, project management tool that they were working on went out of business overnight because of an outside, very unfortunate circumstance. It was an investor who was doing something illegal and got caught, and uh, and so sadly the tool went out of business. Really a tragic, tragic story, but these things happen in the mm. software world, so... Yeah, the CEO is with us the tool is not. Yeah. And of course, other online project management tools are available. Right hundreds, hundreds <laughs> luckily for him, there's hundreds of other options people can be using. Yeah. But
0: it's not the software that you're into these days.
1: Well, you know, I am a bit of a tool junkie. I will I will admit that. So, I I have to be careful in my workshops not to just present a thousand tools that people can use for various reasons. But you're right. I think on remote teams the main challenge ends up being at the human level sort of uh, it's still the basic how do we create a safe enough environment so that people feel uh, safe enough to experiment and innovate and communicate with each other and let each other know what's going on that seems to still be at the heart of the of the remote space I think
0: mm-hmm. and we'll come back to that in a second now as you know I'm working in similar similar territory and And one of the things that I do in in my work with groups is talk with them about their metaphors for working at their best and collaborating at their best. So one of the questions I always ask my guests on this podcast, when you are collaborating at your best, you are like
1: what? Oh, man. I love I love these metaphor games but it's always the weirdest things that come, <laughs> that come to mind when you ask. For me I think of I'm a gazelle. Mm-hmm. Like I am off and running and I'm I am right run- I'm just running fast and it's sleek and it's sort of effortless. So that when I yeah, when I'm at my best I'm I I'm, I there's no time to even look back, you know, you're just off and running.
0: Mhm. <laughs> so mm and off and running, is there anything else about that gazelle when it's off and running?
1: Um, Let's see, you know, I, I don't, it doesn't actually relate. I just feel like when we get remote working right, when I get remote working right, or when I'm working on a team, That just feels really good. There's a, there's a magic element about it. So it doesn't, that doesn't really have anything to do with the gazelle, but for some reason, doors seem to fly open and maybe, maybe that's it. The doors are flying open as the gazelle runs through. You know, things are happening. People are connecting information is flowing and we're, we're doing great things together. Whatever it is that we're working on, that for me is the ultimate. Like you're in, you're in group flow. Somehow, it's
0: mm, so a group flow, and the doors are flying open as the gazelle runs through, and there's a magic element.
1: Right, and I'm probably—I might be one of the most scientific people you'll meet. So I hate the—I hate even using the term magic, but I have—but I can't think of anything else that describes it. There's just something otherworldly when a remote team or any team really is getting it right and is doing—you know—doing great work. Mm Hmm. I'm.
0: I'm tempted to ask more about the magic. If I didn't think it would be slightly uncomfortable to ask about magic when you said you're. you're oh, feel free.
1: A <laughs> feel feel free. Let's <laughs> dive in. I'm. I'm not afraid.
0: <laughs> when, when it's magic like that, how do you know? What lets you know that it's magic?
1: I think that there's an element of joy that that I experience, and when I've worked on teams, it just seems to be that it's not work that we're doing it's somehow that we're we're living and that we are that our that our purpose you know we've come together for this purpose and there's just this joy in working on it and achieving it and everybody's taking pride in the work that they do and I, that's the that's the feeling i get from this
0: mm mm-hmm. and everybody's taking pride and there's a purpose. And I suppose um, you, you started out talking about a remotely collaborating team. Is there a difference when it's a face-to-face team and a remote team for you?
1: No, not at all not at all. I've 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 worked in offices together with a team where where it's ha- where it's been this feeling. In fact, when I first started working on that online project management tool, we all worked together in an office mm-hmm. and that was a magical exper- experience. But I've then started working remotely for the same company and other companies since then where there's just been a just this element of joy on working on the team. You know, there's no there's very little conflict like I said, people are helping each other out. Information seems to be flowing. We're we're symbiotic. It's like uh, it's like we could do this or some things alone, but doing it together enhances each other. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that term symbiotic because I think that really in a successful organization or successful remote team, we're helping each other succeed wherever we can, and that's to me where the joy comes from. Um, mm. And the magic happens,
0: mm. and the joy and the magic—that's um, with you, with the gazelle. What about with the other people? Is, that, is everybody got joy going on?
1: I mean, it's uh, it's far fetched to say everybody on the team is <laughs> is in this blissed out magical joyful <laughs> state like I am. <laughs> Um, but it it does seem to be universal. There's very few people who are not, at least in my experience, I mean, I'm thinking back to the office situation and also the remote teams. I mean, there's always going to be some sort of conflict that you're working through. Mm -hmm. But I think when it's working and you're helping each other, that conflict is not really conflict. It's more a challenge that you're facing together. Mm -hmm. And I think when you get that, then I have not noticed others being unhappy while I've been in a blissed out state in Mm -hmm. particular. I think that that blissed out state comes from because everybody is working so well together. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a team aspect to that, that that's important.
0: So I suppose the next question is what needs to be in place for that, that blissed out state to happen?
1: Uh, there's a number of ingredients, I think, that that need to be in place for that. One is there has to be a safe environment to mm-hmm. be able to try things out. So people have to feel, you know, because you've got different cultures who have different forms of communicating and different um uh, in, in different cultures, there's different ways of asking for what you need, or maybe it's not okay to ask for what you need in some cultures. So you have to create an environment where people can overcome that cultural barrier and feel safe for asking or discussing what they need to discuss. And that's a, mm-hmm. that's easy, easier said than done. I mean, I think there's no magic bullet for that. But definitely having a safe environment is part of the ingredient. The other is to, uh, uh, I think it's, what I'm, the, the word I'm looking for is to encourage experimentation. Mm-hmm. So encouraging people to try things. Um, you know, you push this button and what happens then? Or you combine these two ingredients that shouldn't, you know, you normally wouldn't do that. But what happens when you do do that? So there has to be sort of this element of playfulness. And I don't mean being wacky, but I mean sort of an, uh, a safe environment where experiments can happen. Mm-hmm. And then... The bringing together of multiple disciplines, I think, is also very crucial. So if you have, you know, it's not just the developers that are sitting together, but it, you've also got the marketing folks and the HR folks and the, the people that uh, know about water and the people that know about lawns. And, you know, you have everybody sitting together. You have multiple people, multiple disciplines working on the same, excuse me, working on the same problem. I think that's a, that's another critical component.
0: Mm, and that multiple disciplines piece—I'm guessing that's easier to ha-
1: easier to achieve when you're working remotely than when you're in the same building. Oh, sure, because you can bring in people. I mean, when location's no longer an issue, then asking for who you need or getting the people that you actually need to solve a problem sort of becomes easier.
0: Mm-hmm. In that sense, so that—that's why the longevity scientists could collaborate. Right, because you could
1: get the guy from Italy talking to the guy from Santa Barbara, California, and you could get them together on one platform, talking, sharing files, exchanging ideas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So
0: the three things you've mentioned is overcoming the cultural barriers so that people feel safe to say what they need, encouraging experimentation and playfulness, and bringing together multiple disciplines working on the same problem.
1: Right. Is there anything else? I would add two more things to Mm -hmm. that, actually. One is I would have somebody who's a connector or, I mean, I don't know if you can, um, you know, point to one person and say, you will be the connector, but it's helpful when there's there's somebody there who's kind of overseeing what's happening and saying, oh my gosh, you need to talk to this guy because you kind of are working on the same things and Mm -hmm. you guys should just talk and know that each other exists. Uh, Or, for example, I've recently, inadvertently, without it being intentional, I've interviewed a number of people who are doing outsourcing in different places in the world. And I thought, oh, I should introduce them to each other. You know, like Mm -hmm. maybe they would be competitors, but I bet because they're working in completely different areas of the world that they might have a reason to collaborate together. So a connector would be the other ingredient. And the last one is something that definitely can't be manufactured But if you can have somebody that is super good at what they do, um, you know, sort of the master, a master of what they do, like the Jimi Hendrix, you know, of music Mm -hmm. where people are like, whoa, where did that guy come from? You know, that's somebody will generally just inspire and delight those around them. And to me, that also helps build sort of this community. Of it's not something that people need to follow, but people love when there's just this maestro mm-hmm. amongst them, and and uh, that's another that would be the other ingredient that I would add to this mix. Mm.
0: So that kind of maestro and a connector and multiple disciplines working on the same problem, and an atmosphere which encourages experimentation and playfulness, and overcoming the cultural barrier so people feel safe to ask for what they need. It's easy, right? I mean, <laughs> when you've got all those ingredients, then you've got that magic, that joy, that blissed out.
1: I would say it increases the statistical likelihood that you're going to have the joyful magic blissed out state. Mm. But if you have all of those things, I mean, it doesn't, there's no guarantees. There's mm. never any guarantees. But I would say if you have those things in place, the likelihood is, is higher.
0: mm. Now, you, you were saying earlier you tell stories about successful remote working. So how common is that blissed-out kind of state in remote working? Is it something that is generally achievable or is it uh, a very rare phenomenon?
1: It's more and more common, but it's still really hard for a number of reasons. Um I do think it's growing though. And I think that if people want to make it work, they can make it work. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a desire to really want to make it work. And I've seen a lot of articles about companies that say, okay, we tried remote working at our company and it didn't work. And then you Mm -hmm. look further down and what they've done is they've said to their employees, okay, for two weeks, you can work from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And we're going to just try it out. And so people go, of course, to far off exotic places. They do all kinds of things and no contingency plan has been put in place. And of course it doesn't work <laughs> mm-hmm. because you're going to run into every problem in the book. So there's a sort of non-de- non-deliberate attempt to make remote working work. And and then they come back and say, oh, we failed. You know, remote working is not for us. And I think, oh, well, of course, you know, of course this experiment didn't work. So I think when people want to make it happen, they can make it happen. It's just a matter of of how. But yeah, it's not to say that it's not challenging. I mean, when you when you when you listed that list of ingredients, I thought, oh my god, it's impossible! <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible to get all these things right. But it's not impossible because I've experienced numerous times of great teams, um, and I think it just takes uh, an intention from everybody to really make it work.
0: Mm-hmm. And of course some skills and practice and planning and all those basic things that need to be in place for anything to happen in, in, a, in an organization or in the business world.
1: Right. I mean, there's a lot that we can simulate. There's a lot we have to simulate from the co-located office space space. To the virtual space in order to make that work. I mean, you have to have managers who are good at managing. For mm-hmm. example, it can't just be anybody. You know, management is a skill. So, just like you're going to hire a developer, you should hire managers that have those skills. So, you know, all those all those same rules apply. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's interesting that that that
0: example is reminds me of various occasions where well, an awful lot of people are thrown in at the deep end with management and not given any serious training.
1: Right. I mean, you get people like that are trained technically and they're very good lawyers or they're very good bankers. And then you make them a manager and they're just really bad managers because it's a totally different skill set.
0: Hmm. I, I was doing some reading recently and I think there's actually a, a possibility that being really very good at a technical skill potentially makes you worse as a manager.
1: But, <laughs> I can believe it, yeah.
0: Because your your brain has um, habituated to a different way of working. Right. To a highly technical way of working, uh, you know, it, uh, most ridiculously oversimplified to say that uh, it's focused on task rather than people. But it's something in that territory that basically a good manager needs to have a large element of people focus as well as task focus. Whereas right. somebody who's technically highly skilled usually is very task focused.
1: Yeah, okay. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And when you and when you take that and you put that into the remote world, then you're then it's even more important that you get the right people with the right skills. Because I mean, if you have communication problems in a co-located space and then you try to go remote, in my experience and from talking with other teams, you're just going to amplify whatever problems it is that you are having in a co-located space. Mm-hmm.
0: So, who would you point to and say right they're doing it well. They're doing this
1: successfully. WordPress is the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, WordPress is just taking over and they're they're doing it great. Their employees are happy, the spin-offs that they've made from WordPress, people are, you know, Slack, a lot of the employees that worked with WordPress originally went to Slack and you see that a lot. And of course, the other obvious answer is Buffer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, every employee of Buffer is writing about how much they love working remotely at Buffer. So mm-hmm. those are those are the obvious examples that I would point to. But there's many other smaller examples that maybe others haven't heard of. Um, There's a company called Starter Squad that I interviewed, and they're, I guess, they're not really based anywhere. They have people working from all over, and what what happened is the way they started was they were a team that had been brought together by a client, and they didn't know each other at all, and when the client work ended, they loved working together so much that they said, well, okay, so let's see. The only thing we don't have is a client, so how about we get ourselves some clients and we'll just keep working together as a team and thus the company starter squad was born and now they they sort of work as a company of entrepreneurs where they're each in charge of bringing in business and uh and getting various work done so all of them have a- all the roles mm mm-hmm. they're all business developers they're all managers they're all de- you know they're all developers they're it's a very interesting company and i think people like that you think wow they're really you know that's really doing it right
0: mm and oh, that takes me off into another area of interest to me, which is uh, the actual structure of the organisation. I mean, are there? Because certainly, what you've just described, starter squads sound like they've got a very particular kind of organisational structure, very flat hierarchy, that Indeed. really lends itself. Well, I suspect that a flat hierarchy organisation is it lends itself more to remote working than traditional hierarchical structure.
1: Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. Because I think right now in the remote working field, you're getting people who are, by nature, more entrepreneurial Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in general. And so they're, you know, when they're not happy in the companies that they're working for, they're going off and finding projects online, in other countries, wherever they can. Word of mouth, they're not bound by location. And so that that takes a certain entrepreneurial spirit, I think, or a freelancing spirit. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And as remote working becomes more common, maybe it's the the traditional hierarchical organizations that are really struggling with the implementation.
1: That Yeah, that is for sure, because people are really bogged down in their own roles. You Mm -hmm. know, like they're, oh, I can't do this other function or I can't contribute here because it's not my role or I don't want to do it, it's not my job kind of mentality, whereas with remote working, You know, you have to be one of my one of my interviewees said you have to be everything from chief cook to bottle washer. Mm -hmm. You have to do everything, anything that's needed. You have to pick up the slack. That's just how it works on a remote team. But, you know, I I, I'm involved in this discussion of the flat hierarchy versus the network versus, you know, a networked organization, the tribal organizations Mm -hmm. or they call themselves liquid organizations. And I have to say, I mean, I love the idea. I love that it's becoming more flat. But as I get more into this, um, I saw an interview with Jurgen Apollo and John Cotter, who wrote the book Accelerate. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that John Cotter had talked about was you need both. You need both the network and the hierarchy because the network is going to allow you to experiment and innovate and, you know, do wacky things, put, wack- put things together. But once you have something that works, then you want to repeat it and systematize it, and that's where the hierarchy can become useful because you need to you know you need to scale it mm-hmm. and scaling something in a networked environment becomes much more difficult than in a hierarchical environment so I, I kind of like the dual operating system analogy that mm-hmm. you need a little bit of both depending on where your business is at mm-hmm. but certainly I'm much more of a fan of of the uh of the networked i mean i i like the idea of being chief cook and bottle washer i like the idea of pitching in wherever's needed that you know Mm. that's certainly more my style
0: Mm. so if somebody's um wanting to get started on remote remote working if an organization is is looking at that and
1: thinking well where do we start where would somebody start well i would say There's a million places to start. Don't let it be a manager top-down decision. Have it be a team decision. And I always say, start small and iterate. Mm -hmm. Don't send all your employees off to exotic countries for two weeks and see what happens. Like that is not a small experiment. That's not safe to fail. <laughs> <You> know, maybe <laughs> maybe start by putting all of your employees in a different room and having your conference call, you know, from the same office, from but from different rooms. So you're simulating the remote environment mm-hmm. so you can kind of see what's going to happen when you go remote. Like start there or just take an afternoon off and everybody work from a different location and see what happens. But start small and iterate. and. I mean experiment experiment with all the tools and and figure out what the possibilities are and and try things out and in the beginning it's painful because you're like oh not another tool <laughs> you mm-hmm. know it's the fifth project management tool we've tried and and we don't like it and I say yeah it's going to be painful in the beginning but just keep going because when you get it right you get that magical blissed out stage and that's mm-hmm. that's very enticing mm-hmm. it's worth it it's I think so. I think so. <laughs> so. The
0: oh, I, I'm I'm sort of torn between because we, we're running out of time. There's so many questions I want to ask you. Um, how realistic. Well, I suppose what's your what's your big vision around remote working? You were saying at the beginning about the longevity project and that kind of thing. Where do you see
1: this potentially leading? You know, my main motivation, one is, of course, that we're solving very interesting problems that we weren't able to solve before. So that's a huge motivation for me. But also, I really like the idea of people being happy at work and that it's not a chore and it's not a drudgery. It's not something we have to do to survive, that work becomes something that we do because we love what we're working on. For some reason that I when I see these numbers, you know, these polls come around and they say like 70 percent of the workers or 60 percent of workers worldwide don't just dislike their jobs. They hate their jobs. I think this came I can't remember the poll that this came from, but I I put it in one of my talks and I thought, oh, my God, 60 percent of people worldwide hate, actively hate their jobs. I mean, that means that at best, they're doing nothing. And at worst, they're actively working against the success of whatever company that they're in. And that is unacceptable to me. Mm -hmm. That just seems unacceptable. And what can we do to change that? And I don't know that remote working (laughs) is the answer. (laughs) Of course, it's not the answer. But I have to believe that we could do better than that. Mm -hmm. And I would hate for, I mean, if I ran a company and I knew that 60% of my employees hated their jobs, I mean, that just, that would break my heart. So I think my big vision is that people are happier in their work and that we're actually doing good in the world. Mm-hmm. And does thank that's, you Does very, that sound too far out? It sounds <laughs> fabulous.
0: Thank you so much for that. And now we really are starting to run out of time. So if people want to hear more of what you do and find out about you and you know, all that kind of thing. Where do they get hold of you?
1: Collaborationsuperpowers.com. It has all the information you need. And I'm also a big fan on. I'm a big fan of Twitter. So my my handle is at Lightling, Light and then L-I-N-G Lightling. It's an old nickname. Lightling. So at Lightling on Twitter. Yes. And collaborationsuperpowers.com. I hope to see everybody there. Great. Thank you very much indeed. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you. I appreciate it.